If you're struggling to lose weight, you've probably heard about weight loss medications like Wigovi or ZepBound, and you might be wondering if they're right for you. Meet Plush Care, a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. If you qualify, they can safely prescribe you medication from the comfort of your own home. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass. So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. My guys, my girls, my NBs, we gotta be straight with something. Star Trek's not always great. Uh, it's, it's, it's harsh but true. I, I know you might be reeling from this experience. However, when it's good... It's good. With that in mind, I'm Sean Ferrick for Trek Culture, and here are 10 times Star Trek rewarded the audience for sticking with it. Number 10, Star Trek Generations. Think back to 1987. You hear there's a new Star Trek show coming. You're, you're not really sure what to expect. It's been quite a long time since Star Trek's been on the air. Then you start to see some promo shots in, say, the newspaper. Obviously, there's no internet back then. You go, wow. Well, that doesn't, that doesn't really look like the Star Trek I remember. Thus, I know, shocking that people might not be excited about a new Star Trek. A lot of fans of the original series struggled somewhat with the next generation. Now, obviously, we look back on it today as potentially the greatest Star Trek of them all. Yet, it was a big difference from what had gone before. Even some of the stars of the original series weren't massively on board in the beginning. DeForest Kelly, who by all accounts was the nicest man in the universe, even he had some hesitation when he heard it was coming. Now obviously he was in the pilot. James Doohan, same, wasn't massively on board, turned up in Relics. George Takei, same, 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 same. It was asked that audiences give it a chance, stick it out, and I think generally Everyone agrees season three is where Next Gen really started to find its feet. You had all this talk of the Star Trek that came before and the Star Trek that's here now. You had Gene Roddenberry who flat out refused having crossovers. Note, they only really began after he passed away. Then came Star Trek Generations. So that's it. Next Gen had wrapped. They were going on to movies now. In the real world, the last Trek movie was Star Trek The Undiscovered Country, which was very much a Kirk and crew film. So what, what, what was this film going to be? What it was, was a beautiful meeting of Picard and Kirk. I personally believe Generations has aged very well, but my favorite scene then and my favorite scene now is the cabin scene in Star Trek Generations. This was the olive branch, if you like, to the original fans that still weren't really sold. This was, of course, a wonderful tribute to the fans that loved both. And it was also, I suppose, if you like, a sort of a, hey look, there's more Trek to those that had only ever digested the next generation. William Shatner and Patrick Stewart play a blinder in that scene, and that, if nothing else, was worth sticking around for. Number nine, Terra Firma. 
I think it's safe to say Star Trek Discovery's been a little bit divisive, don't you think? That aside, some people, they just don't like the show, and that's fine. You don't have to watch it if you don't want to. Likewise, some people love the show. Brilliant, can't get enough. Some people come down in the middle, and you know what? Whatever is right for you is right for you. Now, a big criticism has been, oh, well, that's not Star Trek, and that's not my Star Trek, and that looks nothing like Star Trek that came before. And it, it is visually, it's very, very different. Tonally, it's very, very different. And it's about as far away from the original series as it's possible to get. Terra Firma, it was a way of bringing the original series in even more so than Pike and Spock, because Spock obviously is, you know, Spock where they recast him. Pike obviously is Pike where they recast him. And the Enterprise got a beautiful redesign. But bringing back the Guardian of Forever, now that's a deep cut. The City on the Edge of Forever is still probably voted as within the top one or two episodes of the original series, even though what was actually released was incredibly different from what Harlan Ellison originally wrote. Having said that, Harlan Ellison probably would have been a pretty big fan of Star Trek Discovery. The way The Guardian is brought into this episode honors canon, expands on the Guardian's role, remember we hadn't seen it since yesteryear in the animated series, and really makes it as a character. We know it's sentient. They made it a person, they called it Carl. It works. This was, if you like, another olive branch to be handed out to fans of original Trek that just hadn't been sold on the first two seasons of Discovery. Number eight, Pathfinder. In Star Trek Voyager, by the sixth season, probably, if you were watching, you were, you were probably a fan at this point, but Pathfinder, because it's told from Reg Barkley's point of view, for the most part, it's almost like a lost episode of The Next Generation. We even have Deanna Troy. And yet, you need to have really invested in Star Trek Voyager through the highs, like Scorpion, Year of Hell, Equinox, and the lows. Season one. Ah, not all of it. By the time you get to that message being sent by Barclay, who was, in effect, the embodiment of the Trek that had come before, to Voyager, which was, of course, current Trek at that point, that was right in the fields. And it was specifically for those who had followed the show and really invested their time. If this was just Starfleet speaks to Voyager, then that itself would be great. Admiral Paris, that held an emotional punch that I was not prepared for. When he says, tell my son I miss him, and I'm proud of him. That was for every single person that from caretaker onwards sat there and went, I'm invested, I am here, I care not just because it's Star Trek, but I care because these people are lost. This made the galaxy seem a whole lot smaller. Number seven, regeneration. Now, regeneration was a gamble. In Enterprise, you know, this was long before Starfleet ever encountered the Borg, so they shouldn't have turned up. And yet they found a way to work it into the plot and yet not break canon. Regeneration is brilliant. No, honestly now, regeneration is one of my favorite episodes of Enterprise. It does one thing that Voyager, in def like in defense of Voyager, great, but one thing that they never managed to do, and regeneration made the Borg scary again. 
This was not an easy job to do. They had had the teeth effectively taken out of them, not in Star Trek First Contact now, but as Voyager went on, it was just a case of overuse. And because Voyager kept winning, they weren't as scary anymore, right? These Borg, no one's stopping these Borg. They're, they're coming after you. The way that it is dispatched, if you like, is really, it's, it's, it's clever. They're never named. So again, we, we, we are safe with canon. And the teaser at the end, now I've grown to, I, I didn't like it initially, I've, I've grown to like it now where Archer and DePaul talk about, oh, we may have just delayed the invasion until the 24th century. That's fine. But if you think about it, this episode explains kind of how the Hansons knew that there was a race out there that was cybernetic like the Borg. So it ties back into canon. And also, I have to say right now, Brian Tyler's score for this episode. My God, Regeneration is a thank you to everyone that stuck for the first two seasons of Enterprise. It's an acknowledgement of what we can and can't do with canon. And it's also, uh, we get it, the Borg aren't scary anymore, or so you think. Number six, Star Trek II, The Wrath of Khan. So it's the mid 1970s. Your favorite show, Star Trek, was canceled in 1969, and the animated series, fun as it was, wasn't what you wanted. The conventions are going on, but of course it's difficult to stay in touch with people, and Star Trek is in danger of beginning to be forgotten. Then, out of nowhere, there's a movie coming. Oh my god, Star Trek The Motion Picture is coming. 1979, I can hang on a couple of years because this is gonna be big. And it was. It was a big film, but so was its budget. The action was severely lacking. Obviously, we here at Trek Culture love Star Trek The Motion Picture, but we do have the benefit of 40 years of other Trek to enjoy, and therefore we can watch it you know, as part of the whole. In 1979, this was it. This was the next big thing. And frankly, it was dull. Remember, this was the age of Star Wars. Sci-fi action was exciting again. And it was a deliberate decision to make this one a more contemplative and philosophical film. But fortunately, it wasn't what the franchise needed at that point. Then came Star Trek II. This was for the fans that wanted Star Trek they wanted good story, but they needed their action fill. And by God, they got it. Wrath of Khan is a naval battle in space. I mean, it's obviously, it's frequently voted the best Star Trek film, and I can see why. For those who had stuck from the original series, through the animated, through the motion picture, we get potentially the most iconic villain of all returning. We had Ricardo Montalban, as Khan, Nooney, and Singh. In isolation, the movie is great. As a return, the movie is superb. This Mother's Day, celebrate the extraordinary women in your life with a heartfelt gift from Blue Nile. Whether it's for your mom, a mother figure, or yourself as a mom, find that perfect piece to express your love and appreciation. Explore Blue Nile's exquisite pearls and mesmerizing gemstones that she's sure to love. Enjoy fast shipping options like guaranteed free shipping and returns. Make this Mother's Day unforgettable with a piece from Blue Nile. Right now, get up to 50% off at BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. 
PlushCare is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50% to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. Number five, Nepenthe. Much like Star Trek Discovery, Star Trek Picard really has polarized the fan base. There are those who hate this show, and there are those who really like this show, and of course there are those who come down in the middle. What this show isn't is Star Trek The Next Generation Season 8, and I, I will take this one on myself. I did want Star Trek The Next Generation Season 8. It's not what I got. In watching Remembrance, I was, I was fine. I was fine with the direction this show was taking. Was it jarring? Yes, it was. You know, you were seeing these characters that you know in situations you've never seen them in before, and it it was a bit jarring. How then do we reach out to the fans of The Next Generation who might have been slightly disappointed with what they received in the early episodes of the season? The answer to that is Nepenthe. If there is an hour of television that is the Next Generation Season 8. It is Nepenthe. The reunion of Picard, Riker and Troy is nothing short of joyous. This is what people have wanted since Nemesis. We wanted to see the crew back together. And okay, it was only three of them, but still. Now you have Picard who seeks help from his former first officer. You have Riker who is just everybody's dad. Everyone wants a hug off that man. And you know, he just exudes confidence. Jonathan Frakes is excellent in the role. But the surprise of the episode was just how good Marina Sirtis was as Troy. She was fantastic. Potentially her best ever appearance as Troy because she has grown in confidence herself to the point where she can tell the captain kind of what she thinks of him. Number four, Star Trek First Contact. Star Trek The Next Generation, this came at a time really before serialized television. Ronald D. Moore and Michael Piller both spoke about the fact that Picard's assimilation by the Borg in The Best of Both Worlds, parts one and two, was obviously meant to be a hugely traumatic experience, but bar family and a few mentions then later on down the line, particularly I suppose in I, Borg with Hugh, it's not really addressed. You know, you'd think this is the most traumatic thing that's ever happened to Picard, and yet, he seems more or less fine. If anything, he seems more damaged by Gul Madred's treatment of him in Chain of Command. So, Star Trek First Contact was, first, a way of going to fans who have been disappointed by generations, like, sorry, we'll do it right this time, and by God they did. But also, people who had followed Picard's story all the way along and wondered, are we ever going to talk about this Locutus thing? Yeah, they did. Certainly the strongest Next Generation film. It's some of Picard's finest scenes and some of Patrick Stewart's finest acting. This was incredible. As I say again, this is incredible in isolation. But for those of us who had watched Best of Both Worlds, watched him struggle with everything, 
but eventually watch this come out of him. That is a payoff for years of storytelling. And my God, that absolutely worked. Number three, Redemption Part Two. Now, this is a slightly smaller scale one, if you think, but Denise Crosby was obviously hired along with everyone else for season one of The Next Generation, where she played Lieutenant Tashi R for almost every single episode. She, of course, was killed off in Skin of Evil. That's after Crosby, she was dissatisfied with what she was being given, asked to be released from her contract. Roddenberry took this and ran with it and said, all right, well, we'll do something the audience is not expecting. And so Yar was killed off in a very dissatisfying way. Crosby, to her credit, she knew that this wasn't right for the character. Now, a year went by and then she approached the show again and said, look, I'd like to find a way of bringing Natasha Yar back. And thankfully, the producers were like, hey, we were kind of thinking the same thing. And that became the genesis, along with other story elements, for Yesterday's Enterprise, which is one of the greatest episodes of The Next Generation. In Yesterday's Enterprise, Yar is given a proper send-off, and there's actual discussion about the weight of her death. It's, it's a proper tribute to her character, and Denise Crosby is fantastic in the episode. Then, a very familiar voice turns up at the end of season four in the episode The Mind's Eye, again in Redemption Part 1. And the closing moments of Redemption Part 1, Tasha Yar steps out of the shadows dressed as a Romulan after a couple of years of letting stories simmer, Sila was introduced. This is Yar's daughter, the alternate Yar who was sent back in time by Picard. This story only works if you have followed Next Generation from the beginning. If you know who Tasha Yar is, if you know how she died, and if you know that the alternate Yar went back in time, this story works perfectly. Crosby's brilliant as Sela, and I, I absolutely maintain that she needs to come back. Star Trek Picard is a Romulan-based show, well, not Romulan-based, but certainly huge Romulan presence in the show. We never saw Sela getting killed off on screen. Please make this happen. Redemption Part 2, there was actual cheering going on when that happened. Number two, Star Trek Lower Decks. Oh yeah, I mean it, the entire season. It is a show in its own right. It follows its own story. Yep, this is a gift. It's fun. It's upbeat. It's a lot of people have said, this is the Trek we've been waiting for. Hey, look, that's fine. That's fine. But it's so packed full of references. There's many, 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 many references to earlier Star Trek in the first season of Lower Decks. You get the salt vampire from M113 actually appears in the show. You get lots of references to Kirk and crew. You get Deep Space Nine appears. You get the gray uniforms. You get a shot of the USS Pastor, even though it's not called the USS Pastor, but it's the USS Pastor. It's an Olympic class. You know, there's a lot of this stuff going on. But for me, my personal favorite moment was during the last episode, No Small Parts. The frickin' Luna-class USS Titan appears on screen first time ever in a, in a televised version of Star Trek. Obviously, it had been designed by Sean Tarango for the Titan novel series and then appeared in Star Trek Online. And yet here it was, captained by Riker with Jonathan Frakes and Marina Sirtis returning to the roles for this episode as well. But this moment, again, this is for those who Nemesis finished and there was a sour taste in the mouth of fans who were like, that's not enough, we need more. This is what comes next. God, this season was brilliant. Number one, Trials and Tribulations. Star Trek Deep Space Nine and Star Trek the original series 
shouldn't really work in a crossover capacity because tonally they're completely different shows. Deep Space Nine was already starting to head toward its much darker material. This was early season five and barely episodes later there would be Dominion invasions of the Alpha Quadrant. However, that wasn't going to get in the way of Star Trek's birthday. The 30th anniversary of Star Trek Trials and Tribulations was conceived as a complete just tribute to some of the classic stories. There was a few ideas tossed around and eventually it was landed on why not revisit The Trouble with Tribbles, which was a massively popular episode from the original series. There is a suspension of disbelief straight away in that these modern Star Trek costumes, technology, the USS Defiant is sort of gone, well, when you put it side by side with the Constitution Glass Enterprise, you know, one of these things is not like the other. Obviously, for example, Star Trek Discovery opted to not go down that road, whereas both this and Enterprise managed to adapt the aesthetic. Really, this is just, this one is just for the fans. You have archive footage, which includes Kirk, Spock, you've got Chekhov, you've got Uhura. Now you didn't have Sulu, because Sulu was over on Voyager doing his thing on the Excelsior. This, this whole episode was just a thank you to the fans, those who had stuck through the show, through cancellations, through abandoned series, through movies that may or may not have been amazing. This was just a, guys, we see you, we appreciate you. Here is, here's a love letter to Trek in general. It's also a tiny little bit of shade at Next Generation. Yes, Captain Picard and Captain Kirk did get to meet on Viridian 3. You know, Patrick Stewart, William Shatner together. Cool. Cisco did get to hang out with Kirk in his prime. Just saying. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365 day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply.